Section 11 of Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Clevenger. Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant by Ulysses S. Grant. Chapter 11. Advance on the City of Mexico. Battle of Contreras, Assault at Churubusco, Negotiations for Peace, Battle of Molino del Rey, Storming of Chapultepec, San Cosme, Evacuation of the City, Halls of the Montezumas. The route followed by the army from Puebla to the City of Mexico was over Rio Frio Mountain, the road leading over which, at the highest point, is about 11,000 feet above tidewater. The pass through this mountain might have been easily defended, but it was not, and the advanced division reached the summit in three days after leaving Puebla. The city of Mexico lies west of Rio Frio Mountain on a plain backed by another mountain six miles further west, with others still nearer on the north and south. Between the western base of Rio Frio and the city of Mexico, there are three lakes, Chalco and Xochimilco on the left, and Texcoco on the right, extending to the east end of the city of Mexico. Chalco and Texcoco are divided by a narrow strip of land over which the direct road to the city runs. So Shemilco is also to the left of the road, but at a considerable distance south of it, and is connected with Lake Chalco by a narrow channel. There is a high rocky mound, called El Penon, on the right of the road, springing up from the low flat ground dividing the lakes. This mound was strengthened by entrenchments at its base and summit, and rendered a direct attack impracticable. Scott's army was rapidly concentrated about Ayatla and other points near the eastern end of Lake Chalco. Reconnaissances were made up to within gunshot of El Panon, while engineers were seeking a route by the south side of Lake Chalco to flank the city and come upon it from the south and southwest. A way was found around the lake, and by the 18th of August, Troops were in St. Augustine Tlalpam, a town about eleven miles due south from the plaza of the capital. Between St. Augustine Tlalpam and the city lie the hacienda of San Antonio and the village of Churubusco, and southwest of them is Contreras. All these points, except St. Augustine Tlalpam, were entrenched and strongly garrisoned. Contreras is situated on the side of a mountain, near its base, where volcanic rocks are piled in great confusion, reaching nearly to San Antonio. This made the approach to the city from the south very difficult. The brigade to which I was attached, Garland's, of Worth's division, was sent to confront San Antonio, two or three miles from St. Augustine to Lalpam, on the road to Churubusco, 
and the city of mexico the ground on which san antonio stands is completely in the valley and the surface of the land is only a little above the level of the lakes and except to the southwest it was cut up by deep ditches filled with water to the southwest is the pedregal the volcanic rock before spoken of over which cavalry or artillery could not be passed and infantry would make but poor progress if confronted by an enemy from the position occupied by garland's brigade therefore no movement could be made against the defenses of san antonio except to the front and by a narrow causeway over perfectly level ground every inch of which was commanded by the enemy's artillery and infantry if contreras some three miles west and south should fall into our hands troops from there could move to the right flank of all the positions held by the enemy between us and the city under these circumstances general scott directed the holding of the front of the enemy without making an attack until further orders on the eighteenth of august the day of reaching san augustine tlalpam garland's brigade secured a position within easy range of the advanced entrenchments of san antonio but where his troops were protected by an artificial embankment that had been thrown up for some other purpose than defense general scott at once set his engineers reconnoitering the works about contreras and on the nineteenth movements were commenced to get troops into position from which an assault could be made upon the force occupying that place the pedregal on the north and northeast and the mountain on the south made the passage by either flank of the enemy's defenses difficult for their work stood exactly between those natural bulwarks but a road was completed during the day and night of the nineteenth and troops were got to the north and west of the enemy this affair like that of cerro gordo was an engagement in which the officers of the engineer corps won special distinction in fact in both cases tasks which seemed difficult at first sight were made easier for the troops that had to execute them than they would have been on an ordinary field the very strength of each of these positions was by the skill of the engineers converted into a defense for the assaulting parties while securing their positions for final attack all the troops with general scott in the valley of mexico except a part of the division of general equipment at san augustine tlalpam and the brigade of garland worst division at san antonio were engaged at the battle of contreras or were on their way in obedience to the orders of their chief to reinforce those who were engaged the assault was made on the morning of the twentieth and in less than half an hour from the sound of the advance the position was in our hands with many prisoners and large quantities of ordnance and other stores the brigade commanded by general riley was from its position the most conspicuous in the final assault 
but all did well volunteers and regulars from the point occupied by garland's brigade we could see the progress made at contreras and the movement of troops toward the flank and rear of the enemy opposing us the mexicans all the way back to the city could see the same thing and their conduct showed plainly that they did not enjoy the sight we moved out at once and found them gone from our immediate front clark's brigade of worth's division now moved west over the point of the pedregal and after having passed to the north sufficiently to clear san antonio turned east and got on the causeway leading to churubusco and the city of mexico when he approached churubusco his left under colonel hoffman attacked a teta point at that place and brought on an engagement about an hour after garland was ordered to advance directly along the causeway and got up in time to take part in the engagement san antonio was found evacuated the evacuation having probably taken place immediately upon the enemy seeing the stars and stripes waving over contreras the troops that had been engaged at contreras and even then on their way to that battlefield were moved by a causeway west of and parallel to the one by way of san antonio and churubusco it was expected by the commanding general that these troops would move north sufficiently far to flank the enemy out of his position at churubusco before turning east to reach the san antonio road but they did not succeed in this and churubusco proved to be about the severest battle fought in the valley of mexico general scott coming upon the battlefield about this juncture ordered two brigades under shields to move north and turn the right of the enemy this shields did but not without hard fighting and heavy loss the enemy finally gave way leaving in our hands prisoners artillery and small arms the balance of the causeway held by the enemy up to the very gates of the city fell in like manner i recollect at this place that some of the gunners who had stood their ground were deserters from general taylor's army on the rio grande both the strategy and tactics displayed by general scott in these various engagements of the twentieth of august eighteen forty seven were faultless as i look upon them now after the lapse of so many years as before stated the work of the engineer officers who made the reconnaissances and led the different commands to their destinations was so perfect that the chief was able to give his orders to his various subordinates with all the precision he could use on an ordinary march i mean up to the point from which the attack was to commence after that point is reached the enemy often induces a change of orders not before contemplated the enemy outside the city outnumbered our soldiery quite three to one 
but they had become so demoralized by the succession of defeats this day that the city of mexico could have been entered without much further bloodshed in fact captain philip kearney afterwards a general in the war of the rebellion rode with a squadron of cavalry to the very gates of the city and would no doubt have entered with his little force only at that point he was badly wounded as were several of his officers he had not heard the call for a halt general franklin pierce had joined the army in mexico at puebla a short time before the advance upon the capital commenced he had consequently not been in any of the engagements of the war up to the battle of contreras by an unfortunate fall of his horse on the afternoon of the nineteenth he was painfully injured the next day when his brigade with the other troops engaged on the same field was ordered against the flank and rear of the enemy guarding the different points of the road from san augustine to lalpam to the city general pierce attempted to accompany them he was not sufficiently recovered to do so and fainted this circumstance gave rise to exceedingly unfair and unjust criticism of him when he became a candidate for the presidency whatever general pierce's qualifications may have been for the presidency he was a gentleman and a man of courage i was not a supporter of him politically but i knew him more intimately than i did any other of the volunteer generals general scott abstained from entering the city at this time because mr nicholas p trist the commissioner on the part of the united states to negotiate a treaty of peace with mexico was with the army and either he or general scott thought probably both of them that a treaty would be more possible while the mexican government was in possession of the capital than if it was scattered and the capital in the hands of an invader be this as it may we did not enter at that time the army took up positions along the slopes of the mountains south of the city as far west as Tacubaya. negotiations were at once entered into with santa anna who was then practically the government and the immediate commander of all the troops engaged in defense of the country a truce was signed which denied to either party the right to strengthen its position or to receive reinforcements during the continuance of the armistice but authorized general scott to draw supplies for his army from the city in the meantime negotiations were commenced at once and were kept up vigorously between mr trist and the commissioners appointed on the part of mexico until the second of september at that time mr trist handed in his ultimatum texas was to be given up absolutely by mexico and new mexico and california ceded to the united states for a stipulated sum to be afterwards determined i do not suppose mr trist had any discretion whatever in regard to boundaries the war was one of conquest 
in the interest of an institution, and the probabilities are that private instructions were for the acquisition of territory out of which new states might be carved. At all events, the Mexicans felt so outraged at the terms proposed that they commenced preparations for defense without giving notice of the termination of the armistice. The terms of the truce had been violated before, when teams had been sent into the city to bring out supplies for the army. The first train entering the city was very severely threatened by a mob. This, however, was apologized for by the authorities and all responsibility for it denied, and thereafter, to avoid exciting the Mexican people and soldiery, our teams, with their escorts, were sent in at night when the troops were in barracks and the citizens in bed. The circumstance was overlooked, and negotiations continued. As soon as the news reached General Scott of the second violation of the armistice, about the 4th of September, he wrote a vigorous note to President Santa Anna, calling his attention to it, and, receiving an unsatisfactory reply, declared the armistice at an end. General Scott, with Worth's division, was now occupying Tacubaya, a village some four miles southwest of the city of Mexico, and extending from the base up the mountainside for the distance of half a mile. More than a mile west, and also a little above the plain, stands Molino del Rey. The mill is a long stone structure, one story high and several hundred feet in length. At the period of which I speak, General Scott supposed a portion of the mill to be used as a foundry for the casting of guns. This, however, proved to be a mistake. It was valuable to the Mexicans because of the quantity of grain it contained. The building is flat-roofed and a line of sandbags over the outer walls rendered the top quite a formidable defense for infantry. Chapultepec is a mound springing up from the plain to the height of probably 300 feet, and almost in a direct line between Molino del Rey and the western part of the city. It was fortified both on the top and on the rocky and precipitous sides. The city of Mexico is supplied with water by two aqueducts, resting on strong stone arches. One of these aqueducts draws its supply of water from a mountain stream coming into it at or near Molino del Rey, and runs north, close to the west base of Chapultepec, thence along the center of a wide road until it reaches the road running east into the city by the Garita San Cosme, from which point the aqueduct and road both run east to the city. The second aqueduct starts from the east base of Chapultepec, where it is fed by a spring and runs northeast to the city. This aqueduct, like the other, runs in the middle of a broad roadway, thus leaving a space on each side. The arches supporting the aqueduct afforded protection for advancing troops, as well as to those engaged defensively. 
at points on the san cosme road parapets were thrown across with an embrasure for a single piece of artillery in each at the point where both road and aqueduct turn at right angles from north to east there was not only one of these parapets supplied by one gun and infantry supports but the houses to the north of the san cosme road facing south and commanding a view of the road back to chapultepec were covered with infantry protected by parapets made of sandbags the roads leading to garitas the gates san cosme and balian by which these aqueducts enter the city were strongly entrenched deep wide ditches filled with water lined the sides of both roads such were the defenses of the city of mexico in september eighteen forty seven on the routes over which general scott entered prior to the mexican war general scott had been very partial to general worth indeed he continued so up to the close of hostilities but for some reason worth had become estranged from his chief scott evidently took this coldness somewhat to heart he did not retaliate however but on the contrary showed every disposition to appease his subordinate it was understood at the time that he gave worth authority to plan and execute the battle of molino del rey without dictation or interference from any one for the very purpose of restoring their former relations the effort failed and the two generals remained ever after cold and indifferent towards each other if not actually hostile the battle of molino del rey was fought on the eighth of september the night of the seventh worth sent for his brigade and regimental commanders with their staffs to come to his quarters to receive instructions for the morrow these orders contemplated a movement up to within striking distance of the mills before daylight the engineers had reconnoitred the ground as well as possible and had acquired all the information necessary to base proper orders both for approach and attack by daylight on the morning of the eighth the troops to be engaged at molino were all at the places designated the ground in front of the mills to the south was commanded by the artillery from the summit of chapultepec as well as by the lighter batteries at hand but a charge was made and soon all was over worth's troops entered the mills by every door and the enemy beat a hasty retreat back to chapultepec had this victory been followed up promptly no doubt americans and mexicans would have gone over the defenses of chapultepec so near together that the place would have fallen into our hands without further loss the defenders of the works could not have fired upon us without endangering their own men this was not done and five days later more valuable lives were sacrificed to carry works which had been so nearly in our possession on the eighth i do not criticize the failure to capture chapultepec at this time the result that followed the first assault could not possibly have been foreseen 
and to profit by the unexpected advantage the commanding general must have been on the spot and given the necessary instructions at the moment or the troops must have kept on without orders it is always however in order to follow a retreating foe unless stopped or otherwise directed the loss on our side at molino del rey was severe for the numbers engaged it was especially so among commissioned officers i was with the earliest of the troops to enter the mills in passing through to the north side looking towards chapultepec i happened to notice that there were armed mexicans still on top of the building only a few feet from many of our men not seeing any stairway or ladder reaching to the top of the building i took a few soldiers and had a cart that happened to be standing near brought up and placing the shafts against the wall and chalking the wheels so that the cart could not back used the shafts as a sort of ladder extending to within three or four feet of the top by this i climbed to the roof of the building followed by a few men but found a private soldier had preceded me by some other way there were still quite a number of mexicans on the roof among them a major and five or six officers of lower grades who had not succeeded in getting away before our troops occupied the building they still had their arms while the soldier before mentioned was walking as sentry guarding the prisoners he had surrounded all by himself i halted the sentinel received the swords from the commissioned officers and proceeded with the assistance of the soldiers now with me to disable the muskets by striking them against the edge of the wall and throw them to the ground below molino del rey was now captured and the troops engaged with the exception of an appropriate guard over the captured position and property were marched back to their quarters in tacubaya the engagement did not last many minutes but the killed and wounded were numerous for the number of troops engaged during the night of the eleventh batteries were established which could play upon the fortifications of chapultepec the bombardment commenced early on the morning of the twelfth but there was no further engagement during this day than that of the artillery general scott assigned the capture of chapultepec to general pillow but did not leave the details to his judgment two assaulting columns two hundred and fifty men each composed of volunteers for the occasion were formed they were commanded by captains mckenzie and casey respectively the assault was successful but bloody in later years if not at the time the battles of molino del rey and chapultepec have seemed to me to have been wholly unnecessary when the assaults upon the garitas of san cosme and balian were determined upon the road running east to the former gate could have been reached easily without an engagement by moving along south of the mills until west of them sufficiently far to be out of range thence north to the road above mentioned or 
if desirable to keep the two attacking columns nearer together the troops could have been turned east so as to come on the aqueduct road out of range of the guns from chapultepec in like manner the troops designated to act against Baling could have kept east of chapultepec out of range and come on to the aqueduct also out of range of chapultepec molino del rey and chapultepec would both have been necessarily evacuated if this course had been pursued for they would have been turned general quitman a volunteer from the state of mississippi who stood well with the army both as a soldier and as a man commanded the column acting against Balin. General Worth commanded the column against San Cosme. When Chapultepec fell, the advance commenced along the two aqueduct roads. I was on the road to San Cosme and witnessed most that took place on that route. When opposition was encountered, our troops sheltered themselves by keeping under the arches supporting the aqueduct advancing an arch at a time we encountered no serious obstruction until within gunshot of the point where the road we were on intersects that running east to the city the point where the aqueduct turns at a right angle i have described the defences of this position before there were but three commissioned officers besides myself that i can now call to mind with the advance when the above position was reached. One of these officers was a Lieutenant Sims of the Marine Corps. I think Captain Gore and Lieutenant Judah of the 4th Infantry were the others. Our progress was stopped for the time by the single piece of artillery at the angle of the roads and the infantry occupying the housetops back from it. West of the road from where we were, stood a house occupying the southwest angle made by the San Cosme Road and the road we were moving upon. A stone wall ran from the house along each of these roads for a considerable distance and thence back until it joined, enclosing quite a yard about the house. I watched my opportunity and skipped across the road and behind the south wall. Proceeding cautiously to the west corner of the enclosure, I peeped around and, seeing nobody, continued still cautiously until the road running east and west was reached. I then returned to the troops and called for volunteers. All that were close to me, or that heard me, about a dozen, offered their services. Commanding them to carry their arms at a trail, I watched our opportunity and got them across the road and under cover of the wall beyond, before the enemy had a shot at us. Our men, under cover of the arches, kept a close watch on the entrenchments that crossed our path and the house tops beyond, and whenever a head showed itself above the parapets, they would fire at it. Our crossing was thus made practicable without loss. When we reached a safe position, I instructed my little command again to carry their arms at a trail, not to fire at the enemy until they were ordered, and to move very cautiously, following me, until the San Cosme road was reached. 
we would then be on the flank of the men serving the gun on the road and with no obstruction between us and them when we reached the southwest corner of the enclosure before described i saw some united states troops pushing north through a shallow ditch nearby who had come up since my reconnaissance this was the company of captain horace brooks of the artillery acting as infantry i explained to brooks briefly what i had discovered and what i was about to do he said as i knew the ground and he did not i might go on and he would follow as soon as we got on the road leading to the city the troops serving the gun on the parapet retreated and those on the housetops nearby followed our men went after them in such close pursuit the troops we had left under the arches joining that a second line across the road about half way between the first and the garita was carried no reinforcements had yet come up except brooks's company and the position we had taken was too advanced to be held by so small a force it was given up but retaken later in the day with some loss worth's command gradually advanced to the front now open to it later in the day in reconnoitering i found a church off to the south of the road which looked to me as if the belfry would command the ground back of the garita san cosme i got an officer of the votichers with a mountain howitzer and men to work it to go with me the road being in possession of the enemy we had to take the field to the south to reach the church this took us over several ditches breast deep in water and grown up with water plants these ditches however were not over eight or ten feet in width the howitzer was taken to pieces and carried by the men to its destination when i knocked for admission a priest came to the door who while extremely polite declined to admit us with the little spanish then at my command i explained to him that he might save property by opening the door and he certainly would save himself from becoming a prisoner for a time at least and besides i intended to go in whether he consented or not he began to see his duty in the same light that i did and opened the door though he did not look as if it gave him special pleasure to do so the gun was carried to the belfry and put together we were not more than two or three hundred yards from san cosme the shots from our little gun dropped in upon the enemy and created great confusion why they did not send out a small party and capture us i do not know we had no infantry or other defenses besides our one gun the effect of this gun upon the troops about the gate of the city was so marked that general worth saw it from his position he was so pleased that he sent a staff officer lieutenant pemberton later lieutenant general commanding the defenses of vicksburg to bring me to him he expressed his gratification at the services the howitzer in the church steeple was doing saying that every shot was effective and ordered a captain of votichers to report to me with another howitzer to be placed along with the one already rendering so much service 
I could not tell the general that there was not room enough in the steeple for another gun, because he probably would have looked upon such a statement as a contradiction from a second lieutenant. I took the captain with me, but did not use his gun. The night of the 13th of September was spent by the troops under General Worth in the houses near San Cosme and in line confronting the general line of the enemy across to Belen. The troops that I was with were in the houses north of the road leading into the city and were engaged during the night in cutting passageways from one house to another towards the town. During the night, Santa Anna, with his army, except the deserters, left the city. He liberated all the convicts confined in the town, hoping, no doubt, that they would inflict upon us some injury before daylight. But several hours after Santa Anna was out of the way, the city authorities sent a delegation to General Scott to ask, if not demand, an armistice respecting church property, the rights of citizens, and the supremacy of the city government in the management of municipal affairs. General Scott declined to trammel himself with conditions, but gave assurances that those who chose to remain within our lines would be protected so long as they behaved themselves properly. General Quitman had advanced along his line very successfully on the 13th, so that at night his command occupied nearly the same position at Balin that Worth's troops did about San Cosme. After the interview above related between General Scott and the city council, orders were issued for the cautious entry of both columns in the morning. The troops under Worth were to stop at the Alameda, a park near the west end of the city. Quitman was to go directly to the plaza and take possession of the palace, a mass of buildings on the east side in which Congress has its sessions, the national courts are held, the public offices are all located, the president resides, and much room is left for museums, receptions, etc. This is the building generally designated as the Halls of the Montezumas. End of section 11. Recording by Jim Clevenger, Little Rock, Arkansas. Jim at jocclev.com.